for those that have been wondering why we have those random one or two week hiatuses over the past few months. Here's why. Here's why. <laughs> These are our little nuggets of joy. Yep. This is Parker Jane McLean. This is Cameron Ann Kirkland representing uh, the Dutton Ranch, Yellowstone. And they are class of 2040, high school to be determined. That's right. We got a one and a two guard right here. That's so right. Future five stars. These are the de- this is the deadliest combination in Texas high school female sports. Absolutely. Which sport? We're still not sure. We'll figure it out soon. We got a connection at Rivals, so. Yeah, that's right. Just so you are aware, in the near future, there will be an episode where the two moms that were standing just off screen making sure that those babies didn't scream bloody murder, they will join us as well. And uh, we would love for for y'all to be able to hear their perspective of our hectic lives and what their point of view is on a Friday night or in season in general. Yeah, I mean, because, yeah, obviously without them and what they do, we, we couldn't do what we're doing now. So it's... By far, they're the they're the heroes here. Yeah, the glue, if I may. For sure. Yep. So, now back to our regularly <laughs> scheduled programming. Football. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so last episode, I was riding solo, trying to piece together what I thought your perspective was, and giving my two cents on the whole Quinn Ewers thing. Uh, but it's official now. My man is is left South Lake in the rear view. And he's he's headed to Columbus to get paid. So yep. I know my perspective. They've heard a little bit of my perspective. I am dying to hear yours. I want to hear your just thoughts on the decision, but then I want to hear what you think was the deciding factor. Uh, I mean, I, I don't think anybody anybody really can understand the true why unless you're like sitting in his shoes and his parents' shoes. Um I I just think it I I couldn't imagine how hard it is whenever you're dealing with something that is so brand new, you know what I mean? Like when it comes to you know as a high school kid having to deal with something that no other high school kid has ever had to deal with before because that that issue's ever been presented before, and so it's just a it's a weird situation. Um, it did sound just from the few articles that I was reading that it was something in regard to the company um, and uh, the brand and his parents. It was something more personal. Um, I want to say that his mother has, is a cancer survivor. Um, and then so in that company, you know, has to deal with some gut health and, and whatnot. But, uh, and also one of those things too, where it's like, well, you know, he's also has a chance to go play. Justin Fields is not there right now. And th- that's not to say that the people, you know, the quarterbacks that are there, uh, aren't going to compete, obviously. I mean, there's plenty, but he has more of a chance now than obviously if it was a year before, I think that's a, a big issue. Um, and, you know, just, again, to be able to go do that, accept the deal. Um, and I think in the money as well, I mean, having equity in there as well is a little bit different than just saying, hey, here's a check. You know what I mean? Like, they're truly invested, from what I've heard, into that company uh, for longevity. Um, and so I just think it's one of those things to where for them, it was more of those pros, you know, outweigh the cons. Uh, and at that time, they felt that's what's best. And, you know, who knows? Everybody's going to have their own opinions. But, um, I mean support the kid and and obviously he's a baller so i would not be surprised if he shows up and he's and he's competing for that number one job 100 percent. i mean last 
last summer, I think it was, or maybe last spring, the clip was surfacing or making its rounds on social media about his, you know, 70 yard throw. And um, yeah. I know some people who they are, I can't, I couldn't tell you, but some people were comparing some of his ability on the run to that of Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. And uh, from an arm talent standpoint, I definitely think it's there. Um, so I'll be, I'll be curious to see what the developmental process looks like. Um, they do work with the same guy, FYI. They do? They do. Okay. Uh -huh. Bobby Stroop, I think is his name. Okay. Yeah, APEC. So that, I mean, and that could have a lot to do with it because, you know, the similarities you see were probably formed in the same drills. Mm -hmm. So, um, sure. but to focus on the high school kind of ripple effect, um, A, hats off to Riley Dodge. The yeah. way that he has handled this. Hey, and, and real quick, it ain't like they don't have a dude. Well, I was getting there. <laughs> okay. I was getting there. But... I think that it speaks volumes to the coaches he's been around, the yeah. experiences he has to be 31, 32 years old yeah. and be put in that difficult of a situation that is the first of its kind and to handle it the way that he did, um, you know, just a lot of respect to him and, you know, the things that he's learned from his dad and, and the path that he's been on from a player to a coach, I think, has allowed him the opportunity to build a type of understanding and mm -hmm. relationship to where this isn't – he didn't spend his last breath with Quinn trying to convince him to stay. Right. Um, that's an assumption. I don't. I haven't spoken to him personally about it, but I would, I would confidently draw that conclusion. And I think yeah. that comes from a couple of different things. Understanding the negative impact of that kind of behavior – and then the other side of that being that, you know, it's not like the cupboard's that bare. Correct. Yeah. I mean, I will say selfishly, I was a little pissed off that we weren't going to potentially see South Lake versus West Lake again. 100%. And, you know, that was my immediate reaction. And I shared that on the last episode, yeah. that, you know, selfishly acknowledging how selfish it is. But I want to see our best guys play against our best guys. Mm -hmm. But that's not to say that South Lake Carroll doesn't find itself with an opportunity to make that game still. Oh yeah. Because yeah. they're they they weren't ranked preseason where they were solely because of Quinn Ewers. Right. That team is deep and it has a lot of experience coming back mm -hmm. and the potential to do some pretty remarkable things this fall is still there. Now, some guys are going to have to bring their level up. And uh, this junior, this 6'4", 200-pound junior, what's his name? Uh, Quinn Ewers, number two. Right. He's <laughs> going to, I mean, he's going to have to play a little bit, a little bit higher than people might think that he's capable of, but nothing out of it. You're not asking Muggsy Bogues to go play the post, right? You're not asking yeah. him to do something that's completely out of the realm of possibility. Yeah, and Riley's a good coach. I mean, obviously, I think from an offensive standpoint, he's going to be able to find ways to put that kid in a, in a good position. You know, not not put as much pressure on him as he would have Quinn. So, for sure. So, the last part of that that I do want to talk about, and I kind of touched on it um, in the last episode, is that I really don't think that this is the new norm. Right. I mean, I think it's going to be one of those things, honestly, state per state, like. And I know that's probably a bad example because 
you know, the first guy was a guy to leave, you know, the state of Texas, which is a coveted state. But, um, you know, I think it's going to be a little bit different and, and more per state. And if it's one of those things to where um, that state in particular is not very um, high on their high school football and, the, and, and that kid has a chance to go, then, you know, obviously he'll probably go. Um, and so I, th- I think it's going to be a little bit different. But, again, I, I agree. I don't think it's going to be – I don't think he is like, you know – the igniter to everybody else started to do this thing. I think his thing is pretty uh, special, uh, a lot of money, and I mean, especially for an 18-year-old kid, you know. Yeah, and the, the other part of that is that, you know, the opportunity to do this was predicated off of a lot of academic work. He, yeah. I mean, yeah. he finished his junior year, and to meet the minimum state requirements to graduate high school, he was missing one credit. Right. So it's not like everybody is going to be presented with this opportunity right. to where they find out, you know, they finish their sophomore year and they find out that they're a top three, top five coveted prospect in the country. And then it's realistic for them to cram a bunch of credits mm-hmm. in either because their high school doesn't offer them right. or because they have to, they're on pace to take a different path or whatever if their freshman year didn't go as smooth as they wanted etc cetera, etc cetera. so there's a lot of different factors that play into people kids having the ability to do this yeah and i think that's something that we have to keep in mind we can't just automatically assume that or suggest that the uil and the state need to step in and f- fix this <laughs> because one kid had an opportunity to do something that yeah. at this point is once in a lifetime Sure. And until proven otherwise, I'm I kind of hold on to that perspective. And then Greg Tepper made a really good point that like these companies that are making big time investments into programs for this NIL stuff, I don't know what they're I don't know what the analytics are to show return on investment. But if they can't significantly prove that there's value in this investment, they're going to stop making it. Yeah. I mean, I'll say this just to wrap it up. At the end of the day, today's generations are way different than, than years prior. The kid probably has dreams to go in the NFL. So the pros of staying, not saying that, it, that, that him staying wouldn't benefit him in that regard, but him leaving, in my, in my opinion, does more for that to achieve that specific dream than staying. So, I, I mean, in that regard, if that's the only goal, yes, completely, I agree, right decision. Um, I, I bet that did have a, a, a way in there, too. Well, it has to. I mean, you, the NFL draft eligibility rule is three years removed from high school graduation. Yeah, and people piss me off, and they're like, well, you know, show me a, a Ohio State quarterback. Shut, shut up, right? Like, Seriously. Regardless of where you go, going in that extra year, being able to develop another year with great coaches like Coach Day, it's going to help you. Like so, I mean, no disrespect, but Troy Smith was in the NFL for what, like a decade, yeah. and Justin Fields just went what pick? Top ten for yeah. sure. Well, if he came from Georgia. Whatever. Okay. Just, yeah, I I hate when people do that. I'm like, you're literally saying that eating Lay's chips from your couch, and you've done nothing with your life. It's a Mel Kuyper analyst right there. I get so mad. It pisses me <laughs> off. It's time to move on. <laughs> it's time to move on. It's it's so time mad. to move on. Gosh dang it. Um, hard knocks. Cowboys. Dude, can't wait. It's a big deal. Dude, especially the way that 
the past 24 hours, Twitter's been going nuts because they had their little inner squad with the Rams. Aaron Donald just and Connor Williams. Connor Williams yeah. going at it. Oh, yeah. He's just thumbs up and yeah. pinkies in and got Donald locked up. So you got to, I mean, you got to assume that you're, that's going to be right there in 4K, just deep into those scuffles. Oh, yeah. Dak in the background, just yeah. getting the shoulder yeah. right. <laughs> just, oh, scuffle. All right. I'll drop 30 yards back and get out of shot. Yeah. Yeah, I can't wait to. The Hard Knocks has been something I still remember. I remember when the first Hard Knocks came out uh, with the Baltimore Ravens right after they won the Super Bowl and seeing how much it developed and, like, how unique that experience was. Um, one of my favorite clips of all time, there's two of them, and they're actually connected. But Tony Saragusa, like, apparently hated work. You know, the guy's a Super Bowl champion, all-pro defensive tackle, and all he did the whole show was complain about practice and meetings and yeah. having to do his job. <laughs> but he, uh, the tight ends during Baltimore's training camp, they were at, a like, a Division three college, and uh, the tight ends would meet in a, like, portable building. And he locked, somehow locked the door from the outside, like, tied it shut, so the tight ends got locked in their meeting room for like three hours. And like Shannon Sharp goes nuts. And he's like, you humiliated me on national television. I want my restitution. Oh, yeah. yeah. Then like fast forward like two episodes because same thing. They were airing these episodes like a week behind or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And they do the rookie show. And this like undrafted kid goes out there and he's got like a Massimo bucket hat pulled down over his eyes and he's fake lisping and making fun of shannon sharp and it's but those are like that's like the first time that the general public really got to see you know training camp is like such a unique just bubble experience that's so hard to relate to yeah i mean it's like what i like about it you know it's like Days of our lives. Time, <laughs> what I like about it is it's like a soap opera that my grandmother watches. <laughs> no, I mean, the fact that um, that it is a week, like a week behind and you're actually getting to kind of see like what's happening live per se. It's I love that. Yeah, it's... Hey, you just... Dude, I'm not going to lie. I can see out of the corner of my eye the, the head right there on the camera really freaked me out. You really never know what you're going to get when we film in my house, you know. Just a 30-pound man. That boy cat. is thick, just, too. He is so just, thick. And zero concerns about what we're doing. He's just standing in the shot. Hey, go on, you little fatty. Get out of here. Go on. Anyway, you got all of that. Um, I, I just completely lost my focus. Let me regain it here. Oh, but it's the the thing about training camp is that like, and I don't know if you experienced this, but like, there were two different versions. My freshman year at Baylor, thank God I would I didn't have to go, but my freshman year they went to the more staff said you're going to a hotel. Nathan Elliott, when he was at UNC, it was the hotel life, and that's like, boy, yeah, that's like jail. It was like the brand new dorm rooms for us. Yeah, you know that that did seem like a hotel, and so you get like the classic, whatever it is, five five a.m. You know. Coach Martin, da, 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 yeah. wake up. But oh. Coach Browse and them, when I was at Baylor, it was just, you know, be a breakfast at this time. And that was 
Not that it mattered, because you go home and what do you do? Well, you sleep. Right. Because you're exhausted and you lost eight pounds that day and then you had to eat nine pounds of stir fry and like you're just yeah. miserable. But it was a little bit different experience simply because we weren't like when you go to a hotel, when you do training camp at a hotel, you don't talk about getting close. I personally think it leads to more of the like infighting during practice and whatnot. Cause you're around this, you're not just around the same guys. You're around like the same 80 guys. Correct. It's different in season because the offensive line is going to be around the offensive line. They're going to be around yeah. the same 10 to 12 guys every day. Mm-hmm. But when you're in training camp, staying at a hotel and you, right. they, a bus, you eat at the hotel and a bus picks you up and takes you to the facility. And then you don't have a car. And a lot of places will take up phones like different, whether it's at night or during the day, you're not allowed to have it at all. And then you do football all day. Yep. And even if you have like a 90 minute window in the middle of the day between like lunch and your next meeting, you can't go anywhere because you rode a bus there. Right. So, um, I, it, it always makes me think about remember the Titans (laughs) when, uh, the, the Gettysburg college, little two a day, three a day experience they had left side, strong side action going on. But you do, I mean, you do see that. Like that's where a lot of the, the immeasurable confidence and and bonding happens because those guys don't. So it's a give and take. I mean, if you're going to go to a hotel, if you're not going to go to a hotel, but at the end of the day, like you've got to master those two to three weeks, whatever it is, yeah, and find ways to be as efficient as possible at practice, but also find a way for those guys to like buy into the family, like die for each other mentality mm-hmm. because the ones that come out of camp healthy and with that mindset yeah. there's a distinct difference that was one of the biggest most noticeable differences between each year is like 2009 we knew that we had like good athletes and we could go be competitive but like there was still a big gap between like those first two classes that coach had and like the guys that were juniors and seniors yeah and it shrunk every year until 2011 where it didn't matter if you were a freshman or a fifth year. Like, everybody spoke to everybody the same way. Everybody continued to attempt to educate each other in the same way. Right. And you, you see the the elimination of those those gaps, those age gaps, those recruiting gaps. And, um, the like I said, the biggest difference is that the teams that come out of that – 100% healthy or as close to 100% healthy as they can, but committed to their teammate, those are the ones that make the special runs. Mm-hmm. Yep, I agree. Absolutely. So y'all start – I've been – we've been in practice for a week. Y'all start tomorrow. Yep, we start tomorrow. So we, we had freshmen last week, so that was uh, awesome. Dude, it's a, it's a grind with freshmen. Like, yeah, that's the definition of crawl before you walk. I mean, th- those, whatever you have, like – I think for us it was uh, like 11 periods, break, 11 periods, you know, offense, defense. But those like 11 periods feel like 24 periods when it's with freshmen because like it never fails. And maybe I, I think maybe as I get older, I'll end up learning more and more, I hope. Otherwise, I suck. But um, I just every single year just, yeah, it doesn't matter where we go. Like these guys, we can – here's our install. Here's day one, two, three, four and then end up doing day one B, day one C, day day one D install. Because, like, you just always assume in your mind it's just varsity. You know what I mean? You're like, man, these guys, we just need to teach them football. 
Yeah, like uh, last week during one of our freshman practices, I hear one of the running back coaches. He's like, "If he's lined up right here, it's a three technique." And the kid's just like, "Numbers." I thought I played. I thought I was playing tight end. What I don't. And I go, three "Hey man, technique. he probably doesn't. He doesn't know what that means." And the coach looked at me and he goes, "I know he doesn't know what it means, but he's gonna learn it right now, and he's never gonna forget it." And it's those little things that you take for granted. Yeah. And it's so much easier to do it. The younger you go, the easier it is to take things for granted. But I still catch myself taking things for granted, like with our varsity guys. Yeah. You know? Oh, yeah. You think you, you the easiest way to do it, too, is to have, like, two good practices. And you're like, oh, we're there. We're crushing it. They'll, they, they know it all. I can throw any curveball at them I want. Yeah. And that is just not true yeah i think because you got to do a really good job like and i've said it before on here but you have to do a really good job at, at like knowing when like if you have a four-day install and you just did day one um and your kids are, are struggling you, you got to know when it's okay no we need we need to go to day two because like i'm confident that we we did it the best we could for day one and you guys just got to drink you know water through the fire hose and catch up or like crap you know what? We need to just go back to day one, and you know, because because we we screwed up and we didn't teach it the best we could, and and it was just too much, maybe. So it's it's a fine balance, but you also you know got to get it in too. It's tough. Got to get it in. <laughs> it's, it's it's a grind. So yeah, we'll start this week, um, and you know try to prepare for the scrimmages and and all that type of stuff. It's just crazy because like back in Tennessee, we were already going now for. Yeah, like two months. Like, like like two months full pads or something like that, whatever. So it's, I'll never forget the first summer you were up there, and it was like mid-June. And we still could only practice. We still could only do summers four days a week. We couldn't even go five. Oh, well, yeah. Like train conditioning. And it's like Friday. And I think I texted her, called you, and I was like, what are you doing? He's like, well, um, we have like a 45-minute break before our next staff meeting. <laughs> we had a practice this afternoon. I'm like. It was like June 20th yeah. or something like that. Oh, <laughs> sick. So like. When you say practice, these are, this is just like another workout session. No, this is practice. No, yeah, they have yeah. helmets on. Yeah, we've got helmets <laughs> on. It's so yeah, it was so different. Coach Dilfer is like, man, we we gotta get it in. Blah blah blah. I'm like, yeah, I know, I know. When when do we start again? Uh, week after school ends. What? <laughs> we've got plenty of time. I'm used to having two weeks for an install, and then you got, and then you start your season. So, yeah, kind of kind of back to that to that install, but. Uh, yeah. But I've seen I've seen other states that they play like scrimmages like in July. Mm-hmm. They'll do like like practice inner squads or whatever. jamborees. Is that yeah. what it's called? Like jamboree. I heard a coach Coach Mackey just did a he just posted a video talking about like scrimmage approaches and he was like everybody you know the norm I think is like two scrimmages and a jamboree but like I had the jamborees that's the first time I ever heard of it I had Dude, no idea what it was yeah you know, like end up having two teams there and like can scrimmage those two teams right then and there. You got seven on seven with both of them. You, you know, you'll end up scrimmaging both of them or uh, some people will go four and they just rotate those. It's, it's, it's different. Did y'all do that at Lumpscombe? I want to say, um, I don't think we ever had a two team jamboree, anything like that. And, and also some people kind of consider it more of just like, Oh, it's like a real game scrimmage type thing. Like, you know, uniforms and whatnot. And uh, versus our normal scrimmage where we kind of stretch away this one, we're going to treat more like a true game. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, that's where it's like really different is you have like your true seven on seven, um, and you'll do quite a bit of that for like a good hour and you're just, you're just going at it. Yeah. It's, it's different. Bro. We did, 
we did one on ones for twenty minutes yesterday, and I was like running out of routes to call. Yeah, and I thought that was long. Yeah, dude, an hour of seven on seven. But that that's where like for me like, you know, going back to the last couple years in Tennessee, like we had to be smart about making sure that week five felt like week five and not you know week twelve, just because you're starting so early. So. um yeah, it's very different. So now, you know, I've had to flip my mindset and try to just force myself to feel like I don't have any time just so I make sure that, you know, get it all in. So, um, yeah, we'll see. That's that's one of the things that when the UIL expanded and said we could go five days a week, I had a conversation with a coach um, kind of on, on those same lines, just it's a hard balance, especially for smaller schools. I think yeah. I think big schools, it's a little different, but smaller schools, it's a it's a fine line to walk. Just because you can have them right. for this amount of time doesn't mean that you need to have them for that amount of time every day yeah. or every week. Yeah. Yeah, you kind of you can beat that drum a little bit too much sometimes. Yeah, and like, I mean, I think one of the most important things is, because football is such a unique sport, right? We practice way more than we'll ever play, unlike basketball unlike baseball, which play 82 and 162 games respectively, right? You're talking about a really good high school football season has 16 games, but those kids are expected to be working towards that potential 16-game season from January all the way through. And I think one of the most valuable things is finding a way to maximize your work efficiency with built-in escapes because I think one of the most important factors is when the kids come back and it's new. Correct. Right. Yeah. No, I mean, I think, I think that's the one thing that I'm trying to, I'm trying to get our team to do it right now and learn how to do it. And and you're going to have, like, I get it. Like you do have to practice. You do have to hit each other in order to learn football. I completely agree. But also to your point there, you you can't do that for 16 weeks every single day and expect like, well, you know, we're going to be healthy too. And it's inevitable. Like, well, I mean, I get it. Injuries are going to happen, but you can't say it's inevitable. Like you, you, you can protect your players in, in better ways. Like, so I'm big about like teaching the kids how to practice. Like, hey guys, if we've got four periods, if you guys can truly learn how to have a very good walkthrough mentally. Like it's a grind. Like it's a, it's the intensity of inside, but mentally that's our walkthrough. That's how intense it is. If you can do that for two periods, I feel good about having two physical periods. But if you can do it for one period, now we got to go three of physical. If you can't do it all, now we got to go four of physical. And like learning how to have that balance and, and until you have a mature team that can actually do that, um, I feel like you're only asking yourself to, to try to, you know, end up going 16 weeks and, and in and out every day and then somebody gets hurt and you're, and you're surprised. Well, you're, you're pounding all day long. 100%. Like, you, you got to fix that. I think that practice templates, like one of the big things that we did this year was, you know, with even though we're coming out of a COVID season and we're hoping this is the most normal we can be, right? Um, you know, Coach Elliott, hey, here's a copy just in case you didn't have them or whatever, kind of refresh your mind. This is what week one looked like last year. Right. But then the fluidity and the self-reflection to like, 
okay, we don't need to turn in all the workouts. We don't need Saturday's workout built Monday before we see the kids. Right. Like the fluidity to say, hey, I know normally on Tuesdays we do our one-on-one pass rush, one-on-one uh, receivers and DBs, but, hey – we ran the ball 65 times last week, and our line's pretty banged up. Like, <laughs> let's just let's find another period. Let's hold off on that. Yeah. You know, the the fluidity to do those kind of things. And like you said, I think that coaching a kid through a practice script is just as valuable as coaching them in practice. Yep. Hey, here's the layout. I know Coach Elliott posts ours every day. Yep. The script's posted, periods. Here's how long they are. Here's what you got, et cetera, et cetera. And those kids know. Okay, so we got to do tackling circuit today on defense. Oh, yep. we're doing, you know, we got eight minutes of seven on seven today. Cool. We got five minutes of routes on air, whatever it is, mm-hmm. you know, and it allows for the mental preparation. And then if you see anything during Coachella, it's really big about um, like when we dynamic, when our kids are stretching, that's an opportunity for you to be kind mm-hmm. of diving into their mindset. Where are they? Who needs some love? Who needs yep. to be picked up? Who needs to kind of be pushed or you know, remind them where the standard is, et cetera, et cetera. And I think those are the kind of things that if you can, it's, it needs to constantly, it doesn't need to be evolving, but it just needs to be fluid in the sense that we're not rigid to, this is what Monday is always. Mm -hmm. This is what Tuesday is always. Because all it takes is, you know, one or two starters to not be moving full speed and, we had this conversation in our office yesterday. It's not just like, hey, we need to we need to watch and monitor our physicality, but you got to watch and monitor your athleticism as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's you good know, point. You more athletic kids. If you're collectively more athletic, you tend to be able to go through more physical practices with less injuries. It's when the collective athleticism of your team drops from year to year or whatever that those physical periods can lead to lingering injuries because guys don't know how to fall. Mm-hmm. They don't know how to tell when they're too tired. That's they don't point. know how to read those things about their own body. Yeah. No, that's a good point. You know, one thing that we're going to do this year, I've never done this before. I'm, I'm sure people listening probably have, so it's nothing new <laughs> to them, but um, we kind of came up with um, two tempos. So for like each period, I'm going to highlight basically yellow or green. And so, and we'll actually echo that to each kid. So, for example, yellow is a um, more of a, you know, a little bit more than a walkthrough type of tempo, but it's more of a, hey, we ain't going to kill you right here. Um, you know, so a, a good example would be um, a Monday, um, like a Monday team, like first team segment when you're kind of showing them, hey, here's a defensive front. Here's what we're getting. Hey, this is going to be yellow, yellow, yellow. That way the kid's mind triggers, oh, okay, this is a slower segment. I'm not going to be getting gassed here, but I need to lock in more. And then the next tempo, let's say we're going something like a team takeoff or whatever. Hey, this is green, green, green. And now the kid has to flip that switch like, okay, green, green, green means we are freaking going as fast as we can. And, you know, we won't go green for more than, you know, obviously we will rotate, you know, ones, twos, and threes, but we won't go green more than green for probably two periods, I'd say. But the kids now know and they have to flip that switch. Just like for me, I'm big about flipping the switch at halftime. Know when to lock in at halftime, make the adjustments, but then realize, boom, okay, we're going to third quarter. Instead of halfway through the third quarter, realizing now you're in the third quarter. And that's the worst. It's the worst. And so now like you can kind of 
if you make those breaks throughout practice, if you can make those tempos happen, hey, we're yellow, and then the next period we're green, and hey, now we're yellow, they're having to constantly like learn you know, how to change those tempos in their brain, but more importantly, they're learning how to practice. Now week 15, you got three green segments, and that's all you need. So we'll see if it works. Could be a disaster, but yeah, no, <laughs> we'll I like that. Works. I like that a lot. You're sitting there explaining it, and I'm sitting there going, "Okay, I can't use yellow and green because you know it's got to be somehow orange, white, or gray. I got to make it Salina affiliated, but I need to look into doing that." Yeah, because I think that that's. I mean, hey, there's a couple things that you don't do in Salina. You don't wear black because this isn't Pilot Point. Got gotcha. And you don't break haircut or facial or policy. You just don't do it. But, um, yeah, I know that'd be tough for you. That's a big deal. But I think that, you know, I get caught sometimes of trying to, like, make every period a go period. Like, why can't your mind just go fast? Yeah. And then sometimes have your mind go fast, and then other periods have your body go fast. Like, yes. why can't you do that? The fact of the matter is, is that it's, you know, uh, Gary, you know who Gary V is? Yeah, you're talking about the... Uh, the crazy, like... Vaynerchuk or yeah. whatever Yeah, the dude that can just sell ice to Eskimo. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So um, what a lot of people don't know about Gary Vee is that he has either still owns or has started and sold, like, a multitude of wildly successful companies. Yeah, like, yeah. That's where his reputation came from. Um, but he said something the other day that I think resonates, not obviously just to who he's talking to, but to really any facet of life. He said that the thing that blows my mind is when CEOs expect their employees to love the company and what it does as much as they do. Yeah. And I think that's something that coaches have to remember is that like, this is, you're not at, you might be, you might be listening and you might be at Florida or Ohio state or Michigan or, you know, it, and now, Hey, appreciate it. Thanks for giving us your time. But yeah. the vast majority of us aren't right. And the vast majority are dealing we're dealing with kids who do this because it's fun yep. or they do it because their friends do it. A lot, there's a lot of kids that play high school football that don't necessarily like football. They like hanging out with the boys mm -hmm. and you have to keep in mind that those kids don't love the game the way you love the game. Right. You know, and even take it to the next level. Not all coaches love the game the way you love the game. That's right. They may love coaching and they may love kids, but they don't necessarily love the game. Yep. And keeping that at the forefront of your mind is going to make life a lot easier when you have to deal with slowing down the tempo of a, of a period of practice to be more literal in your teaching yep. or ramping up certain aspects on certain, being fluid to all of those things, being able to respond, understanding the people and not the perception what you think they should be, but who they really are, mm -hmm. I think is what's going to allow you to, to be successful in handling those different types of situations. Mm -hmm. Yep. No, that's a good point. It's, I think we assume we always try to put everybody's, our point of views from our lenses. And, and well, why is, you know, my perspective of this guy, why can he not get it? Well, because you're looking at it through your lens. He don't see it through your lens. He didn't see it through your brain. You know what I mean? You got 2020, he's got 2010. Maybe if you look through it at 2010, now you'll see his perspective. 100%. And I think that that was, you know, that whole idea is something that I had to learn trial by fire last year. You know, I saw this thing that was going to be my new role in, in this new off, new offense and all these new things. This is how I saw it. Mm -hmm. 
then the fact of the matter is, is that that's great if the pieces of the puzzle you're making fit that picture. Right. But if they don't, what are you going to do about it? Correct. Right? Are you going to adapt to your personnel? Are you going to adapt to your coaching staff? That's right. Are you going to adapt to your community? How are you going to respond to when your perception and their reality have a disconnect? Mm-hmm. No, yeah, it's huge. I mean, yeah, just like you said, too, just just how you have to adapt to your to your personnel and stuff like that. Even though you, you those are your coaches, you got to learn how to adapt to them as well. Know what they can and can't do. So that's, yeah, good point. So the last thing I wanted to ask you about, how do you feel about manufactured adversity or manufactured, like, tension during the, this time? Because it happens. To my coaches creating stuff, like creating issues, like head mm-hmm. coaches creating issues? Um, I wouldn't say issues, but just... <laughs> One of the one of the best examples I ever heard was, and I can't remember specifics, but I remember the story, and it stuck with me forever because I think it happens way more than people are really aware. Um, it was an NFL training camp, and the the O line coach stops one of his veteran players, and he's like, "Hey, um, I already talked to John, but like, I need, I need you, I need you two to start a scuffle today. We were flat yesterday. Team was soft. There was a lot of brother-in-law and, and we can't afford that crap. So he knows it's coming, set the tone, but be smart, take care of each other, stay off the ground. But, um, I need you two to, to get into a little fight. Okay. How often do you think that, do you think, have you been a part of that? Maybe not to that ex- extreme. Maybe not to that level. Maybe not to my knowledge. Okay. You know what I mean? Um, you can, one of those you sit back and reflect, and you're like, was I a pawn just now? Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, I think it, it, it's just so hard for me to always want to say, I don't think you should do that, because I, mean, I, I would say maybe last resort. Like, last resort because your coaches can't make the energy happen. Last resort because your players aren't motivated enough. Last resort because your schedule of practice doesn't allow the motivation for your players to want to have that, the juice. Last resort because you made your practices so hard that they are tired. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. um, I would put it in that regard, and there's probably some coaches that are right, like right now hating me, but I'm like, I just, I feel like if you have to get it to that point, like, and you're having to force a fight, there's an issue there. Um, and I guess lastly, I would say, I mean, know your team as well. You know what I mean? Like that, I mean, if you're looking at the Raiders from back in the day, that was probably a daily thing yeah. and that probably worked for them. I mean, that's who they are. Um, but yeah, j- just for who I am, I, I, I don't agree with that method. Uh, unless it's just like, man, everything else I've done has sucked so far and this is all I have left to do. Let's try it. Well, and I don't want to, I don't, I feel like I painted the picture that that's like the only way of like manufacturing that kind of adversity or tension. Like I know coach cause used to do it where like it was, it was very apparent and very obvious that like this was going to be a day of, of repeating because for whatever reason, something had set the tone that the team wasn't focused in yeah. on the details they needed to. So mm-hmm. you were going to be held to an even higher standard than one have already existed. So you're not going yeah. to be able to get through dynamics without going back. I think that's different. Yeah. 
Yeah. And I'm, that's what I mean. I think there's levels to Ye- it for yeah, sure. Yeah, Meek Mill. Um. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, I guess I guess I went directly the, the route of like creating a fight or something yeah. like that. We don't um, always have to choose violence. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, in that regard, yeah, I think I think there's times to do that. Um, at the same at the same time, though, I also think that um, that's you know one of every twenty days. Whatever, oh, 100%. you know what I mean? Like it, it's one of those things where you do that too much, and that's how you lose that team. Um, I had a conversation with a coach um, just last week, and he said, in regards to like position meetings. He was like, you know, every two days, there's always that meeting. There's When it comes to our guys, there's always that meeting. And when that meeting happens, it there's a visible change in their focus and their effort and their attitude. Mm-hmm. And, it's, and it doesn't always happen. Sometimes it happens on day three. Sometimes it happens on day nine. But at some point, that collection of teenagers, because I think every group, in high school, I think you're a direct reflection of your position coach. Absolutely. And sometimes they lose that connection of the room's personality earlier. Mm-hmm. And sometimes they lose it later. But whenever they lose it, that meeting is our opportunity to remind them of what the representation is supposed to be, what the standard is. Yep. And it doesn't always sound the same. It doesn't always happen at the same time, but the vast majority of the time is it produces the same result. Mm-hmm. And I think those are things. Good coaches, great coaches, their feel for those situations, yes, is one of the most invaluable pieces of their of their professional career. Yeah, just psychological awareness. That's one. Yeah, that's one thing. That's a great point. Cause that's one thing that Coach Shavers talks about a lot, just in regards of like your kids are a direct reflection of you. And I've always believed that, um, you know, and it's one of those things to where I, I know that there's some of those kids who are like, dang it, like you can't help it. And then that's not who I am. But, um, but I, I agree 100% to that. And it's one of those things to where, to your point, great coaches have great awareness of that and they have the ability to know when to turn that switch on and when to turn it off. Um, and when they can do that and they can control that thermostat, that's, that's an elite coach. And when you're, I think when teams just become really special is when, and it doesn't always have to be seniors, high school, college doesn't always have to be seniors, but when your leadership understands that. I know one of the biggest things that like when Coach Kaz was into year two and like his personality was our team, Mm -hmm. right? Everybody, it's so crazy. I mean, you can attest to this. When people talk about like, when when you've ever spoken to like any of my teammates, there's two people they talk about. Yeah. Every single one of them. Doesn't matter what position, what side of the ball, doesn't matter. They're going to talk about coach, and they're yep. going to talk about cause. And, cause, yeah. and that's it. Yep. Um, and it's because those are, you know, extremely influential, you know, highly productive men in their profession. But we, there was a moment where that leadership, those starters, those seniors started to adopt that accountability aspect. And um, I'll never forget a spring football practice. I think I've told you this story. Uh, Jordan Lake. Um, we have spring ball and we're having one of those Saturday inner squads, little 20, 30 place inner squad or whatever. Mm-hmm. And this new walk on receiver comes across the middle and Jordan sitting there could have easily picked the ball off. This kid was going with the twos because of some injuries. A couple guys were banged up and Jordan's starting safety and could have easily just stepped in front, picked the ball off, turnover, whatever. And he just sits there flat footed. 
and the lets the ball hit the kid's hands and then just folds him like a lawn chair. And I'm I'm done already. And I, he comes over to the sideline and like the threes are going. And I just he came took a knee and we're drinking water. I was like, why? Like why? And he goes, you just got to make sure they're not here just for the t-shirt. Everybody needs to be reminded what the expectation is. And I was like, man, that's mean. But now, you know, you the farther away you get from the event, the more value you see in it. Mm-hmm. And that was one of those things where, you know, that little, he may not remember that. The kid may not remember that, but I'll never forget it. Mm-hmm. Because I think that there's there's something deeper in the the psychology of a team in moments like that. 100%, yep. Never been self-conscious about that until right now. <laughs> I hate you so much. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>